Well, and I've had to replace so many catalytic converters at this point. Like, I should just go out. I should start stealing them. I mean, it's you know, karmically, I should be able to at least steal like four or five. Yeah. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. Over the mountains, we fought in streams. I was reading yesterday, apparently it was a park in Vancouver that they've had over 40 people attacked by coyotes since uh, June. <laughs> that's, I thought you were going to say since 1973. No, that's like... An inordinate amount of coyote attacks. And yeah. it's like some of them were like four-year-olds. Apparently, they're just coming up and like biting people because they figure people have been feeding them. And you know how dogs get kind of bitchy like that? It's like, oh, you're not Where's my snacks, Yeah, dickhead? come and bite, yeah. bite you on the calf or something. So now they're going to have the coyote holocaust in there and start... They're going to trap them and then euthanize them. It's like, sh- Why? Just fucking shoot them. <laughs> like, if you're going to... Whatever, but... I thought that was... It is America. Uh, I'm, su- I'm surprised they didn't like, oh, we'll just start a forest fire and that'll take care of it. Well, it's Canada. Oh, oh it's that, Canada. Yeah. Oh, okay. Vancouver. Uh, that, yeah, not the not the methy Vancouver. The, right. The better Vancouver. The heroin Vancouver. Yeah, heroin guess, Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> heroin <laughs> makes you more polite. In Vancouver where the feet wash up on the shore in the shoes. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I kind of wish the coyote story had happened when we did the animal thing. But yeah, for I thought real. it was worth mentioning. Well, yeah. they went out. They went out to where the coyotes are attacking people. Like, hey, take off your hoser. Yeah, yeah. And then he stopped that. No, that's not did. very nice. Oh, well, we're gonna have to trap you. Yep. And then I'm gonna, like I said, humanely youth. I'm picturing they just trap <laughs> him and then shoot him in the back of the head. We're well, gonna gas him. Yeah, yeah, that humane gassing. Fucking whatever. Oh, I found out too. The uh, that blank we found in the parking lot. Uh huh. Um, the the green. Cat butt. Mm-hmm. That's an indicator of um, uh, uh, it's a construction twenty-two. Oh yeah, yeah. The ones that work for the nail guns. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. That. W- yeah, but that wasn't a twenty-two. That was like a nine. Was it? Yeah, it was yeah. big. Oh. oh. I okay. didn't know they made. That's for. I, then I guess it's. That's uh, for when you want them nails to stay nailed. <laughs> Never come fucking out. Fucking no shit. Yeah. That's great. I told you it wasn't a real bullet. When you're though. firing nails into a fucking you know USS Tonkin or whatever the fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just trying to Where, I just watched Tonka? Sahara, so I'm thinking of the iron. The iron oh, the clad. ironclad. The, yeah. uh, which one was that? The monitor. I don't uh, remember. Yeah, we never have talked. To, well, I guess they didn't make it out west anyway. So yeah, we talked about the ironclad. We're too afraid. No, they're too shitty and heavy. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's enough bullshit. Uh, welcome back to how the West was fucked. How the West was. This week, we will be continuing on uh, the epic saga that is the Battle at Greasy Grass, also known as the Battle of Little Bighorn, also known as Custer's Last Stand. Uh, what else would you call it? Like uh, During Greasy Grass? During Greasy Grass, I guess. Yeah. Uh, wh- where did we leave off? It's been a week since we've we done this shit. Left off where uh, Major Marcus Reno, probably drunk. Mm-hmm. And his troops, uh, well, they thought it was going to be a good idea to attack the main body of the village. And uh, they got the shit kicked out of them. And now they've had to retreat across the river and up a hill, sustaining casualties while retreating. And now the last remaining dudes are um, 
kind of up there pinned down and wounded and running out of ammo and losing their shit. Fuck. But it's okay because George Armstrong Custer is going to swoop in in a pincher movement. So Reno's the sad guy whose wife died and then he started drinking a bunch and went to go scream at his kid or whatever? Yep. yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yell at my kid for a year and then yeah. I'll be back. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. Simpler time. <laughs> So, so you were talking about a Comic Sans yeah, time. Splash yeah, it out Sans. with the Comic Sans and then oh. fucking Comic Sense and the MP, NPR NPR voice. voice. So Custer uh, is going north on the ridge there, but he halts his battalion where Ravine led to the river. So it's a hot day in June there. Mm-hmm. Men and animals were sweating in the heat, sweating together, mm-hmm. horse sweat. You uh, seem really fixated on the sweatiness. <laughs> do horses sweat, or do they? Oh, like... they sweat lots. Really? Yep. I thought. I thought. Oh, yeah. Because they're covered in fur, they panted like dogs. No, that's the thing. Is like, um, they do, like cows. I think barely do, but it's mostly like their little mucusy nose. But yeah, you know, horses got a fuzzy, dry nose. Oh yeah, I never. I... But have you ever seen some of them westerns where you run them real hard? They'll sweat so much that it builds up foam, like wherever the attack is, like what? rubbing on them. Yeah, it looks like shaving cream. It smells horrendous too. <laughs> oh, God. But they'll get it in their butt cracks, so it's <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross. Oh God, I wish I could put scratch and sniff on Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. it'd be well, fucking over. We needed some horse deodorant. Yep. Yeah. Oh, dude. All right. All right. Challenge <laughs> but, accepted. Yeah, okay. they, they they froth and foam and, and sweat. <laughs> so. So Custer hands a note to John Martin, formerly not too long ago, John Martini, the Italian trumpeter. Mm, why are the trumpeters always furners? Because, like, Fetterman fight, it's the German trumpeter that couldn't understand what they were telling him. Was that the kid mm-hmm. that was, like, fighting with that his, was he was, like, that, bashing people with yeah. his fucking cornet or whatever? It's, like, the only one that the yeah. Cheyenne didn't Oh, yeah, the mutilate. Cheyenne were like, hey, you're cool, man. Bad they, respect. Uh, <laughs> killed three of our guys with a fucking bugle. With a bugle. fucking trumpet. <laughs> it's pretty hard. <laughs> So it was a message to Benteen saying, come and bring the ammo train. Mm-hmm. So Martin left and saw Custer go down the ravine. On the way out, he met Boston Custer, who asked where the general was, and he pointed him in the direction. So Boston leaves. So that's kind of the first, last guy to see I like how Boston Custer. is just fucking wandering around like a dipshit. Big-ass battle going on. I was like, oh, probably mm-hmm. had to stop and pee or something. Probably. But uh, Boster Custer, Boster Custer, Boster, Boster, (laughs) gave good news to the general. He had passed Benteen in the supply train on the Lodgepole Trail less than an hour before. So they're getting there. So eight years earlier, Custer held off a thousand warriors at the Washita by holding 53 captives. So that was probably on his mind. He's going to try to get some hostages. Mm Mm-hmm. But they needed to move further north if they're going to cut off the fleeing families, because that's where they're headed. Mm. And, of course, who's between the fleeing families and the cavalry? Oh, about a thousand or so warriors. Yeah, that are really <laughs> motivated not to have their families get fucked with. Yep. Custer had Yates take his two companies and ride a mile down, and feign crossing into the village and secure the ford. Uh, by that time, he figured Benteen would arrive, and then they would storm into camp. And it would draw the warriors away from Reno, so that was their plan. I don't know how they knew that, but they just guessed. Yeah, <laughs> common sense. Uh, victory could still be had if Custer remained on the offensive, and fortune favored the bold. Yeah, there's no fucking way. Which is new- the only way Custer knew how to fight yeah, anyway. N- so. Numerically, they're still just fucked. Mm-hmm. Even if it was all at once, 
Yeah. Fighting each other, they were still outnumbered, so. Well, and as I've said in the past, the Indians also had shit like repeating rifles and, uh, you know. But the Americans had white skin and Jesus, so, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. they're going to win. Let's see how that works out for them. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend. Benteen in later years said Custer orders were vague and senseless. Do you think that was true? No. No. He hated Custer and kind of only followed orders up to a point. Uh, his first orders would make sure the Indians didn't escape south, so he was kind of still hanging back there. But he didn't find any Indians in that direction. And he could see the valley from this vantage point. He watered his horses for about 20 minutes. And some of the officers wondered why they weren't moving out. And then they finally did. Then the Sergeant Knipe. Knipe? K-A-N-I-P-E. Rode up with word from Custer to hurry up. Then they heard gunfire, which I don't know how you cannot hear gunfire on open plains. (laughs) It's everywhere. Knipe said they're licking the stuffing out of them. Licking the stuffing out of them. Now, I know licking had a different connotation than we usually think about it today, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I very, like... I'm, I'm imagining someone, like, tearing a couch open and eating it from the inside right. out with their tongue. Like, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Benteen assumes all the glory work has been done, so he just continues at a fast walk. Uh, his horsies were not that tired compared to the other horsies, not frothy. (laughs) So the gunfire became more sporadic. So they wondered if the battle was finished. (laughs) You'll find out soon enough. Uh, a mile or so after they, they encountered Knipe, another horseman rode up. This time it's Private Martin, the young Italian whose English was not so good, like me. Mm-hmm. On Juno. Um, Skrolnik. <laughs> My love for you is like a truck bell sucker. Would you like some making fuck bell sucker? That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? Martin bore a written message from Custer. Said, Benteen, come quick. Big village. Be quick. Bring pack. Yep. Benteen was confused. Bring pack. Did that mean the ammo wagon, which it probably did? Yes. Which did he want, the Benteen or the pack train? Because they couldn't really hurry the pack train anymore. So he conferred with his officers. They all read it, but offered no opinions because nobody's willing to stick their neck out. Right. <laughs> oh, man. I was trying to find, I have a, I, uh, one of these books, there's a picture of that note, and it's like, ooh. Like Custer's like really, really, like you say, pretty insistent. So Benteen asked Martin where Custer was, and about three miles away, said Martin. Benteen finally spurred his troops into a trot instead of a fast walk. I don't know what the difference is. Oh, here, I, fi- I found the note. See Ooh, there you go. See if you can read this, Tony, because that whole thing about them not being clear on what it means. Like- oh, Christ. Uh, Benteen, come, come out? I don't know. Come out. Big village. Be quick. Bring packs. P.S. I love you. Bring pack. It says bring bring packs. P.S. Bring pack. Yeah. W.W. Cook. Whatever the fuck that says. And then it, there's some more shit down here, but it's all fucked up. Yeah, it's unreadable. It. Yeah. Completely unreadable. <clears throat> okay. Maybe that was like, maybe Mar- Martini maybe like translated it into Italian. Oh, into Italian? That so could be, yeah. 
Well, the guy's name was actually Martini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Yeah, it's just vodka drunk all day. Yeah, so un- unreadable shit, basically. So I don't blame the other officers for not wanting to, mm-hmm. to put their neck out. But. So Benteen's still assuming that Custer was kicking ass, even though he got word otherwise. Yep. Uh, they got to a fork in the trail, so they had to decide where to go. Uh, no one thought to ask Martini. Uh, Weir led his battalion left, and the rest of the men go right. Benteen meets a much-excited Reno with a red handkerchief around his head and asks for his help. Was it a red <laughs> handkerchief because it was a red handkerchief, or was it a previously white handkerchief? Probably no previously red. white. <laughs> well, and wrapped around his head, I'm imagining him dressed like a cholo now. <laughs> Benteen showed him the note from Custer and said he should join Custer. Reno wanted to wait for the supply train since his men used up all their ammo. And half their men. But Benteen decided to help Reno and disobey Custer's orders. So Reno's troopers were still coming up the hill. But for an unknown reason, the warriors broke away and headed north because that's where Custer Custer was was. going. And, you know, he's a known entity, so they want to get the yellow hair. Yeah. Uh, despite the Indians leaving, Reno took a shot with his revolver at about a thousand yards away, which is about nine hundred. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> out of range. Nine hundred fifty out of range. Take that, damn you! It's like the guy barely even hears it going off. That'll show him. Reno, That'll show you him. Fuck. <laughs> uh, White Shield was a young Cheyenne who was fishing when the shooting began. He saw a group of soldiers moving towards the river. He joined four other Cheyenne and dismounted on the far side of the river. There, a guy named Lame White Man. <laughs> he was one of the wisest Cheyenne chiefs, told him to resist the charge and stay there. Uh, they were chased by the blue coats. They very veered into the hills and the soldiers dismounted. Then more warriors began to arrive, some of them from Reno's battle, and shooting down from the soldiers from up above. Great. The soldiers began to retreat when more and more Indians showed up. Uh-oh. Oops. Yep. They're kind of crawling out of the ravines. There. Also, yeah. like, I think I'm going to start my, my rap career when I'm, like, 65, like, retirement age. And just be called Lame White Man. Yep, that's going to be my MC handle for sure. There you go. My Adidas. No more. <laughs> <laughs> so, meanwhile, the subject of riding towards the gunfire was raised. Uh, Benteen spoke against it. Custer could gunfire. Take- Why would we want to ride towards <laughs> it? Hey, hear me out. Hear me out. What if we... Rode straight towards the gunfire. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not endorsing that plan. No, that's all I got, man. So Reno made Benteen's men share their ammo. So over the next thirty minutes, about polite to shoot people if you didn't bring enough ammo for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about half this, the whole Seventh Cavalry stood around and did nothing. Uh, Reno wanted to find his friend Benny Hodson. That was his adjutant or adjutant. Yes. What the fuck is that? Is like second in command. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Adjutant? Yeah. Yep. Okay. He was reported dead, but Reno wanted to make sure. <laughs> he so, might be out reconnoitering. Yeah, <laughs> feel, feel free to go look, dude. You know, like. <laughs> so they did find the body, unmutilated by the river. Reno recovered his class ring, 
but a few Indians fired on him, so they didn't bring his body up. Oh. So when Reno gets back to the ridge, the pack train was still not there. Sends another rider to tell him to hurry up. The men impatiently waiting and listening to all the gunfire while all this is going on. Yeah. Uh, Captain George Yates uh, had been gone for just a few minutes when 50 warriors appeared several hundred yards to the north. Look how these guys are appeared, appeared, appeared. Have you ever been out there? Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of hiding places. Uh, there's yeah, some, I mean, some little, little draws and, and shit, but uh, I don't know, just 50 dudes popping out of nowhere. You, you got to think they should be seeing dust clouds or something. But Yeah. He ordered his men to fire on him, and the warriors fell back. After about an agonizing 15 minutes, he could wait for Benteen no longer. Uh, through his field glasses, Custer could see a growing number of Indians pressuring them at the ford. So Custer's men are continuing to go north. Stopping to fire at an increasing number of Indians coming from the south, Yates led his men up out of the shallow coulee and reported several dead, including Jack Sturgis, who is son of the regiment's commander. Oh, no. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to be in trouble. Custer knew he couldn't go back to Fort Lincoln, accomplishing nothing in killing the commander's son. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, yeah, how exactly do you rectify that? Like, oops. Saba, man. I mean, I mean, what exactly are you supposed, well, whatever, yeah. So Custer convened with his officers and outlined his plan. Uh, Keogh and his men would hold the high point and protect the general's rear. Uh-huh. Custer would take Yates' smaller wing, ride down the ridge, and head west to intercept the, the non-combatants. Kind of a bold move, but maybe his only chance of victory now. Bullshit. Along with Custer went his brothers Tom and Boston, his nephew Audie Reed, and newspaper writer Kellogg on his mule. Oh, God. And uh, Mitch Boyer, the scout. Yep. And 80 or so men. So this is what's going to happen to those 80 or so men. Everything is going to work out fine. Mm-hmm. Abducted by aliens. That's what yes. I'm putting my money on. <clears throat> so a few minutes later, they crossed the river and ran into a strong resistance. He realized he needed reinforcements. He turned and led his men back up the ridge. Uh, whether he realized it now, Custer was surrounded. Uh, and the offensive went to the enemy. Yeah. And it would be the Indians that would decide the battle now. Well, yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much uh, the way it's depicted all all the time is just, you know, little clump of dudes in the middle and just hundreds Completely and hundreds surrounded. of guys pretty much just riding around circles just shooting at you at will. Now, what's the problem with that circle technique, attack technique? Oh, it's kind of like uh, Ninja 3, the domination. <laughs> yeah. Like, pretty good <laughs> chance you're going to hit some up. of your own folks. Also, you know. uh, how are they fixed for horses and shit? Because they could they could pull a fucking walking star and uh, make a mule for it, right? Oh, what, the, what, the cab? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. It's coming. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Hell yeah. It wouldn't be a show if we didn't kill some horses and fucking mules. A, so, like, So Keogh had deployed his forces around the base of the hill, but Indian fire had increased. Most had bow and arrows, but there were plenty of rifles and even some muskets. A uh, skirmish line was set out, but the Indians soon reemerged and rained arrows down on them. Uh, every rifle was needed, so the soldiers held on to the horses while shooting their rifles at the same time. That's got to be fun. Horses love that. Yeah. And some thirsty horses broke and ran for the river. What? <laughs> Hold on a second. I'll be you're right back. Shoot, I'm gonna go you're going to shoot out with the cops. And you're just like, hang on, man. Oh, I need to go. Uh, ga- I need, Gatorade. I need, Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> need some electrolytes if we want to continue this bullshit. <laughs> uh, crazy horse galloped downriver and up a gully. And when he reached the top, he saw a line of soldiers just south of him. 
Uh, he aimed his Winchester and shot at him as fast as he could. Other warriors crawled from one ravine to the other. From protection of the gullies, they arced arrows into the blue coats. Nice. That's the way to do it. Keel was on his horse, Comanche, who had only a few wounds already when a bullet smashed into his knee. And he and Comanche both went down. Mm-hmm. And so, we talked about Comanche, what, two weeks ago? A couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So now the soldiers are disarray when their captain gets hit. And a wave of Indians swept over them. Uh, White Bull and Crazy Horse went on a bravery run, riding through a gap between soldier groups. Like they're going to pick up some bravery? Yep. Yeah. A couple cases? No, basically just doing one of those, like, fuck you moves. Oh, where they yeah, just, yeah. like, ride straight through you, not even shooting. And, or actually, no, he does, I think he shoots a guy both times, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. But just kind of, like, charges right through the fucking middle of right. him. I'm not even worried about you. Yeah, fuck yeah. You. Uh, Which he's pretty well known for doing in the past, too. That's kind of why when... You know, Crazy Orders is one of them big dick cool guy fucking yeah. names. But. So others followed suit, and the army horses uh, stampeded. Uh, the bluecoats fired at the horsemen, but when they stopped to reload, the rest of the warriors charged and fought hand-to-hand. The soldiers were overwhelmed, and all were killed. Fucking. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, anybody that knows anything, we kind of saw that coming. But Yeah. Two days till retirement. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to Keo's company, though. Uh, things were heating up around Custer now. There was only a few Indians within a few hundred yards, but soon as being surrounded, a large ravine to the south was the main way for the Indians were coming. So Custer ordered Algernon Smith to take E Company and form a skirmish line to cut them off. As Smith moved down the basin halfway to the river, Custer led his troops to the high ground at the end of the ridge, and Custer deployed his men. And he ordered most of the horses shot for breastworks. Yep. So that would be Last Stand Hill. What? Breastworks, Mule Fort. Mule Fort, okay, cool. Breastworks just indicates that it's something that should be about chest high. Oh, gotcha, okay. All right. Which those would have to be some pretty big horses for that to actually (laughs) be that way. They had the fucking Budweiser wagon with all the Clydesdales. (laughs) So their first fire drove back the advance. A group of 20 or so young warriors galloped into the soldiers' lines, killing several and stampeding the remaining horses. As if, the, yeah, I would figure the horses would have already be pretty incentivized to stampede after watching All their, their bros getting get stabbed. Sh- yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the soldiers broke and tried to make it to the river, and they were all shot down. Soon the bottom was a mass of dead men and horses. Great. Mm-hmm. Only a few staggered back up the hill. Algernon Smith was one of them. He you made it. You don't want to go down there. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, made it back to Custer. Uh, Custer's hope for Benteen or Keo was soon squashed. A few of Keo's men came in with a horse that the Indians left behind him. From the ridges east and north, Indians kept up a relentless fire. The horse shields didn't help much from arcing arrows. Casualties began to mount. Custer took a shot in the left breast that knocked him back. He dropped his rifle and got out his English pistols. Many of the men around him were dead, and another bullet hit him in the temple, killing him. See, okay, what I don't get is who who fucking says so. None of these motherfuckers survived. This and they're is trying all to make forensic. it sound like some kind of goddamn fucking, uh, what's his name, uh, Steven Seagal bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it's the Celebrity Guide to Wine with your guest, Steven Seagal. Dark Angels, a song about war. A song about death, a song about dying, and a song about... I'm gonna climb the hill and 
will it be cracking in my eyes? I hold the ghosts around me. I hold a figure walk across the sky. When the people see him, will it sound like devil know? I'll walk with my protector. I know just what I'm here. But I know you feel me. We all got to die someday. I hope that was as good for you as it was for me. I have a feeling it uh, may have even been better. Well, if you need your bottles opened, you know who to call. Maybe I'll whistle. You do know how to whistle, don't you? Mm-hmm. This is all secondhand forensic between secondhand between the natives and where they saw the bodies lying okay. when they came to okay. collect them. <clears throat> CSI yeah, Wyoming but, or whatever. But there's like three yeah. different natives that I've read about claiming to be the one that killed him too, so. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> Mitch Boyer jumped up and yelled to the remaining men and headed downhill. Uh, Tom Custer lay motionless, but Boston and Audie Reed followed him down, so they're still alive. But they only get 100 yards before they were all shot dead. Well, you know. And some of the soldiers killed themselves rather than suffer. That's always a great strategy. Uh, Crazy Horse reached the area before the fighting was over. Uh, When a soldier tried to run, he ran him down on horseback and took him down. Probably just tackled him. Just trampled him. (laughs) Uh, Gall, too, arrived on the hill to dispatch some of the wounded soldiers. Yep. And as we were... uh Talking about last week, he had just had most of his family wiped out, so he was not in a great mood. No, was no. Uh, lame white man died there. Oh. oh. Uh, the warriors couldn't find any soldier with long blonde hair that they thought was Custer because he had it. He had just had a haircut. Yep. Shit. They stripped the bodies and scalped them. Uh, the women and boys and old men would go and sever the limbs and cut off heads so they wouldn't make it into the afterlife. Yep. Well, you would. You just wouldn't have a head. Yep. Be a, f- a floating torso. I'll show you. Uh, there's some pretty good illustrations uh, at some of the participants. Ah. Yep. Holy fuck. So once again, the the Time Life uh, Old West books. There's uh yeah. There's a lot of illustrations done by the native participants in the battle, and they're pretty gory. I mean, it's kind of like I wouldn't call it the most. Uh, Realistic? Yeah, photorealistic art ever, but it, it definitely uh, kind of sets the tone. Also notice, like, most of the illustrations, almost all of them have beards. And a lot of uh, a lot of other depictions of them showing a bunch of clean-shaven soldiers. But, mm-hmm. you know, they've been out on the campaign for a while, so yeah, they do yeah. have beards. So uh, one guy actually buried Benny Hoxson back where Reno was. He reached the river and saw uh, the guys hiding out there that from Reno's company, 11 guys that escaped death there. Uh, Benteen saw Weir's company riding north and assumed the whole command was moving out. So after his men restocked ammo, Benteen ordered HKM and M companies after Weir. Captain French led his company, the only one of Reno's to do so. If Reno was issuing orders, nobody noticed or obeyed him. So, <laughs> uh, they sent word to Weird to open communications with Custer. Uh, Reno would follow as soon they as the pack train arrived. Board. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the north, they could see about 1,500 warriors mo- moving towards them. Oh. Uh, behind the others, Reno ordered a trumpeter to signal halt. Weir ignored it, and so did Benteen. 
because they saw 1,500 warriors mm-hmm. behind them. Then Reno commanded the remaining troops to follow. Uh, Benteen made it about a mile down the trail. There were only a few shots here and there. Uh, it quickly became apparent that the only people coming for him were the Indians. Yeah. And they were coming fast. He headed back towards Reno. The uh, closest Indians were now about 700 yards away. The two companies dismounted and formed a skirmish line, and many men began to shoot, even though they're out of range. Yeah, of course. Got to waste um, as much ammo as you can and heat them <laughs> weapons up. The uh, Indians now had 200 additional rifles and returned fire. When Benteen got to Reno, he suggested that they fall back to their original position. Reno agreed, but no one bothered to do a bugle call, since no one was listening to Reno anyway. So they just kind of left? Yep. And That's great. Reno didn't issue the command for rear guard. Um, Benteen quietly took command from Reno then. Uh, Which is probably for the best. Mm-hmm. The retreat went smoothly for the most part. Godfrey, who's formed the skirmish line, looked behind him and saw everyone else heading south. Holy fuck is this wrong! So he was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that he was just getting left out hanging. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. But he gathered his men and hurried back and mounted a rear guard. But holy hell, is it erotic? Knowing without it, they'd be screwed. Oh, yeah. Reno and Benteen set up a defensive perimeter on the hill and a little kind of gully there. No natural cover and no time to dig in. Plus, they only had three shovels. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I think I've read uh, accounts of them, like, digging with their, like, mess kits, like their tin plates and shit. Yeah. Um, that's got to be fun. That just kind of shows you how motivated you are. Yeah. Because uh, you're fucked. So, Godfrey's troops just barely make it back before the Indians rush the lines. Uh, they were driven back, but as minutes passed, more lives were lost. One trooper by Benteen threw himself down behind a box of hardtack, and then a bullet ripped through the box and into his head. I'm surprised the hardtack didn't stop the bullet. Nope. But uh, strangely, everybody laughed. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, fucking everybody's just going crazy at that point. Oh, so yeah. Probably just like, <laughs> oh, it's absolute, it's absolute panic. Yeah. yeah. It's like the when you get stuck on... Everest at the top, and you just start peeling all your clothes off and laughing like a psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So as the day wore on, a pattern emerged. The Indians would pour heavy fire into the soldiers and then charge. Soldiers would pop up and fire, scattering the charge. This went on till sunset and beyond. Twelve troopers were killed and 21 wounded. Only poor markman, markmanship prevented more casualties. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's probably a little bit on both sides. Oh, you yeah. Know. The army didn't train their guys worth the shit, and the Indians often didn't have enough ammo to really practice, so. So they set up a camp there on the hill. Dr. Porter had 30 or more wounded men to work on. When the enemy fire stopped, Reno had them dig trenches. Uh, they had almost no water and no easy access to it, and a limited supply of ammo. Odds seemed long. The men started to scrape the ground with tin cups and knives, like you said. There you go. Uh, Benteen had his men rest instead of dig in. He had a feeling the Indians would leave. What do you think that? Well, I think that's just wishful thinking. (laughs) Maybe they'll just leave? No. I said sorry, man. Oh, he's like, I didn't do any fighting. They're not going to bother me. (laughs) Uh, Reno continued to drink through the night. (laughs) I mean, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Fucking... Fucking writings on the wall. Yeah, happy hours. Fucking now, all day. 
Uh, he ran into two citizen Packers, not Green Bay, but yeah, yeah. Guy named B.F. Churchill and John Frett. They said hello to Reno. <laughs> Reno asked, "Are the mules tight?" What? Is he working for the CIA? <laughs> Are the mules tight? Yeah. In the, women's tennis, the chair, the chair oh. is against the wall. <laughs> John has a big mustache. Yeah. Whose gun is this? Yeah. <laughs> the administration spent an enormous sum of money on weapons of mass destruction. This is a menace to the peace of the world. They spun cotton into thread beautifully. This controversial issue split the Liberal Democratic Party. The sandstorm spoilt this year's crop. A sense of mission spread over the community. His score stood out in particular. A bunch of rustlers stole fifty heads of cattle from the ranch. Brett was unclear by what he meant. Obviously, tight or tied. He asked, "Tight? What do you mean by tight?" And he said, "Tight, goddamn you!" And Reno slapped him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get laid one last time before I get killed. <laughs> As he did, whiskey sloshed onto the Packers. Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, Fred was about to hit Reno, but was held back by Churchill. Uh, Reno picked up a carbine and said, I will shoot you, then walked away. Uh, they didn't see Reno till the next day, so they kind of left him alone. Yeah. Oh, God. I can. Oh, I don't want to feel that hangover. Well, that, and it's just like these two guys, like, you know, you're cruise along and you haven't been seeing any of these army guys you expect to be everywhere and the one you run into is a nut nut job shit faced that doesn't bode well so it's night now down in the valley there's great activity large fires and beating of drums and dancing kind of unsettling for the troopers that are left up on the ridge Uh, rumors circulated that fellow soldiers were being tortured which wasn't true they were just or had their heads cut off. But that was usually after they were already dead, so... I mean, still not the greatest yep. visual for when Com- ca- camp- camping out there. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, they also believed Custer was held up just like they were, or had retreated downriver to Terry. Uh, they heard the sound of a trumpet and thought Custer was coming. Uh, Reno had him return the call, but it was unanswered, so it must have been one of the Indians down below fucking around with a trumpet. Yep. At some point in the night, Reno suggested to Bentine that uh, they should take every money, every man that could ride, destroy everything, and could carry a force march in the dark back to the Yellowstone. Uh, Bentine asked, what would we do with the wounded? Reno said, oh, we'll have to leave that to whoever, you know, Ooh. leave oh. them behind. <laughs> God, Reno's such a piece of shit. Wow. Could you imagine, like, laying in a cot, like, 15 feet away yeah, from that this. situation? Like, oh, fuck, man. Oh. Benteen said, we can't do that, but Reno didn't bother pushing them, even though he is outranking them at the time. Mm-hmm. So, revelry was sounded at daybreak, uh, and then so did the rifle fire from the Indians. Uh, as the day wore on, it got hotter. The Indians tried everything to draw their fire, even standing up and ducking when shots were fired or raising their hats and or shirts on sticks. They even strapped a dummy onto a horse and have it gallop towards them. I like that. <laughs> or maybe more like a dead body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. As the fighting went on, Benteen's company steadily lost men because they built no fortifications during the night. Some left their lines and went to the hospital area. 
some troopers were down just to, to beat the rush or what yeah i guess so it's like look i'm gonna be shot so yeah just getting in line before it yeah uh some troopers were down to four or five cartridges left uh the men on the line had no choice but to retreat meanwhile benteen was trying to get some sleep uh he even had a bullet go through the heel of his shoe jesus <laughs> while he's sleeping <laughs> But it only disturbed his slumber for a moment. Yeah, say what you will about Benteen. He's actually remaining pretty casual through all this yeah. shit, not freaking out like Reno, so that's good. He's not doing anything super effective, but <laughs> he's not losing his shit. So. Finally, he got up when he learned of the situation. Uh, he looked for Reno for reinforcements. He found the Major in a pit with Weir. Um, Benteen said, quote, The Indians are trying to cut through my lines. I can't hold my line much longer. Reno said the Indians were pressing him too, but then realized the direness of the situation. Uh, but Benteen told them they'd be overrun if they didn't hold that part of the line. So Reno directed Captain French to reinforce that line. French's men went but weren't happy because they hadn't dug in. There's no no cover there. The Indians were close enough to throw dirt clods at them. Ooh. Awesome. It's, <laughs> it's devolved to that. <laughs> Fucking uh, flicking boogers at him, and <laughs> I was thinking, uh, was that uh, Woodstock '94? They got the big rainstorm, and everyone's oh, just yeah. throwing oh, yeah, clots yeah. of fucking mud on stage. This isn't love and peace; it's fucking anarchy. Hey, look at me! I'm a fucking idiot. So he, Benteen, ordered a charge to try to turn the tables. This surprised the Indians into a retreat. Then they double back into their original positions. A couple of troopers were killed in the charge. Um, Benteen was on his feet the whole time, bullets whizzing by him. One of the citizen packers, Frank Mann, was aiming over a box, uh, motionless for about 20 minutes. Finally, one man went over to discover that he had a bullet in his head when was frozen. Oh. <laughs> he's just so, waiting for the right yeah, time to shoot. he's lining up his man. Look at this guy. He's steely-nerved <laughs> marksman. Cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Oh, he's actually Whoop. cold. Oh, yeah, he's pretty Shit. <laughs> Uh, Benteen noticed H Company was getting more fire, uh, thinking the Indians are up to something. He told Reno. Reno hey, they're shooting at us. I think they're up to something. <laughs> it seems like they're trying to kill us. Hey. Hey. Reno said to charge, and he finally got out of his hole in time to help lead the charge. Uh, every man on the north side of the four companies went. A large group of Indians scattered about 200 yards away. It seemed like they were getting ready for an attack. They, the soldiers advanced about 50 yards, and then Reno called them back. This is about 10 a.m. It was already hot, and wounded men cried out for water. Uh, some men sucked on raw potatoes, which seemed to help. Mm, yum. Uh, about 11, Godfrey sent men to the river to get water, but they returned empty-handed because there was too many... Indians, Indians down there getting mm -hmm. water. They don't do the like the coyote and uh, sheepdog truce, like clock out. Yeah, and, hey, George, right, hey, how's it going? Uh, Benteen then got 20 men to take a different route down. With covering fire, they got down to the river for water, and most of it was delivered to the hospital. Yay. Several other parties went down for water. Uh, by now, the Indians only left a contingent there to guard the river. Uh, most had returned to camp. Yeah, they got to They're have getting bored. And shit and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By 3 p.m., the firing stopped. Uh, the Indians burned the valley floor, which is a tactic to obscure their trail. Mm 
Uh, about seven, the whole camp started to move up the valley towards the Bighorn Mountains. Benteen and Reno was thought it might be a trick, or did Custer and Terry disperse them? No one knew for sure. <laughs> they were still hoping. Uh, Reno decided to move closer to the river. Uh, most of the men were eager to leave. <laughs> you don't yeah, fucking say. <laughs> <laughs> New rifle pits were dug, though, and dead comrades were buried even though they only had three shovels. Yep. Uh, over the last 24 hours of them being stuck on the hill, they suffered 70 casualties, and their ammo was dangerously low. After the Custer went up with a rosebud on June 22nd, Captain Grant Marsh took the far west up the Yellowstone. On board was Terry and Gibbon. Mm-hmm. The Gibbon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Major Brisbane and some of Terry's staff Oh, that included all his cronies. Yeah. Uh, Gimmon came down with a severe gastrointestinal ailment. He had the shits. Just, yeah. Great. He, he starts throwing it at people. <laughs> well, it's Gibbon, yeah. He was unable to get out of bed. So Terry placed Brisbane in command of Gibbon's troops. Uh, the morning of the 24th, they start ferrying Gibbon's men across the Yellowstone. They carried rations for six days. Uh, Terry's column had about 400 men. They began to ascend the Bighorn River an hour later. Well, I can't remember. Is Terry Cavalry Commander or Gibbons Infantry, if I recall correctly? I think so. I, th- I can't remember if Terry's Infantry or Cavalry. But just say it like, you know, some of these guys will be on foot, so it's not like they're yeah going to not- catch up real speedily. Yeah. So they only go for an hour and then they stop for the day. They're hoping Custer was going to lead the Indians towards them. Yeah. I go to them when they'll come to you. Yeah, right. So Terry was anxious to see uh, George Heron Dean because he would have words from Custer, but he was nowhere to be seen. Terry's call made slow progress, getting lost in the stifling heat. They made it about a mile and a half from the Little Bighorn on the 25th. 26th, the Custer said he would meet up with them. So they're expecting them. With them uh, were Terry's Crow Scouts, met up with Custer's Crow Scouts. Uh, they gave word that Custer would, had been defeated. Terry was told of this. Gibbon was there too, with the far mess, uh, far, far west. west. <laughs> far west. <laughs> and that's making its way up the Bighorn River, which is not... Not very big. Not very big. But that's okay, because it can do that grasshoppering shit. That mm-hmm. Bighorn Stream. Most of the men refused to believe the story, including Terry. Not true. <laughs> Take it back. Uh, Terry then saw smoke in that direction. That was evidence to him that Custer had burned the village. See? I told you. <laughs> God. Uh, Terry ran into Indians in small groups. When the troopers spotted them, they thought they were army because they were wearing blue coats. Yeah, because they just lot, stole. A lot of them lying around. Mm hmm. <laughs> Uh, the advance company went back to the main column with the news, but they had to stop for the night. But by morning, the Indians had disappeared. Uh, a couple hours later, Gibbon's advance group came across the burned valley in parts of a hastily abandoned village. Then saddles, then clothes, then boots, then severed heads, and the rest of the column came up. Uh, they found Lieutenant Sturgis's underwear. <laughs> Because his name was written in him? No, because he's the only guy that wore, like, a T-back, you know, oh, le- yeah. leopard skin thong. <laughs> if 
fucking uh, famous for that. Joe Stack's fucking hooker red leather thong. Exactly. Uh, they found the gloves of Captain Yates and Lieutenant Porter's jacket with a bloody bullet hole in it. They continued on and started to find more and more bodies, all severely mutilated and covered with swarms of flies. Because they've been there for a while. Uh, then they could see many men standing on a bluff a mile down. So they wondered if it was the Sioux. Bradley came back to Terry with the news. 197 dead bodies in the hills. Somebody asked, were they white? Bradley said yes. Oh no. Oh no. How the West was fucked will be right back. From the makers of Bronson Swinger brand turtle wax comes Bronson Swinger brand horse wax. Is your Appaloosa all dull and gray? Spruce her up with Bronson Swinger brand horse wax. Fix that faded mane right up and make your horsey shine and look brand new. Anti-rust protection included. That's Brunson Swinger brand horse wax. Buy it today. Now available in Donkey. The moment you didn't know you were waiting for has arrived. The new eight track from similar award losing band, The Bangalores. Called Dog's Hall. Features 15 brutal songs to violate your ear holes, including such quote unquote hits as Unprotected X, Witches of Edict, and Finger Wicked Good. Get it? All the songs are about witches. Buy yours today at Shuttered Record Stores today, or listen on Spotify or whatever. About 9 a.m., the morning of the 27th, Reno's men saw a pillar of dust coming up the valley. It was either the Indians returning, or with field glasses, they could see that there were army, though. But was it Custer or Terry or Crooks? They didn't know. Reno sent some men ahead. Then they discovered the fate of the rest of the 7th. Ben Teen could hardly believe it, so he had to ride down and see for himself. Or he just wanted to kick. Custer's corpse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bodies were more than 200 in all. All were stripped, and most were mutilated and scalped. Heads, legs, and feet were cut off. And after two days in the hot, hot sun, they were bloated and discolored, mm-hmm. almost black. Great. Slow, uh, slow cooked. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was no shortage of crows and vultures and coyotes running around, too, because mm-hmm. there already is out there. So. Yeah. 91 degrees for 72 hours. So it's fun to... You know, he got a bloated belly on a cow. He'd just jump up and down on mm-hmm. it like a trampoline. And then they fart. Shot one with a bow and arrow one time that had died and went. Oh, yeah, we covered that a while slowly ago. Slowly deflated. Yeah. Just smelled terrible. So many of them had lay, uh, and their legs had a slash on the right thigh. That was the Sioux marking their kills. I guess there's plenty of Cheyenne there, too. Yeah, yeah. Were they uh, trying to have a competition with the Cheyenne? I guess so. Uh, Benteen's troopers led them to Custer. Leaning in a half-sitting position with a peaceful look on his face. And one bullet wound in his temple and one on his chest. He had not been scalped because his hair was too short. And an arrow was stuck through his penis. Oh, good. Like sideways or straight down the middle? I'd not go specified. straight down the middle. You're gonna, yeah. That's what I was thinking. But it could be like, you know, Steve Martin. 
See, that's the first <laughs> I that's the first I'd ever heard of that because like everything I've read was like it was unmolested, but maybe they just didn't want to talk about Pierce Dix in the Time Life mm-hmm. book. But this is a book I got at the battle site that oh. they recommended. So very nice. Surrounding Custer were his five officers: Brother Tom, uh, Yates, Smith, Riley, and Cook. On the slope below him were forty dead troopers and thirty-nine dead horses. Some shot to make breastworks. Boston Custer and Audie Reed were found together 100 yards downhill. Uh, Tom Custer's body was the worst. His head smashed flat and scalped. His throat cut. His belly cut open with entrails spilling out. His genitals hacked off. Well, they really didn't like Tom Custer. Many arrows shot into his body, plus one in his skull that could not be pulled out. Only a tattoo on his arm with TWC could identify him. Damn. With his initials. Wow, they had tattoos back then? I guess so. Interesting. You don't come across a lot of that. They've had tattoos for a very long time. Well, I know, but I'm talking about... Oh, in 18, American 18, culture? 1800s, white people were not known for a lot of that. If they were, sure. they'd put you in a fucking circus. Yeah, totally. You know? We probably got it. because If you were like, a sailor, I guess. Well, yeah. I, mean, I guess army would make sense, too. I'm joining up. Just in yeah. case my head gets squished flat and you can't identify my body. Right. Uh, the rest of the afternoon was spent burying the dead and parts of them. No survivors were found, and the hard ground made for hard digging, which you get with the gumbo. Yep. Some corpses had hands sticking out of the ground. Uh, what? Because they didn't bury them very oh, well. They're oh, they're like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, Custer and his brother Tom got the best dug grave, though. Uh, many men were unidentified. Uh, the only survivor was two horsies. Two horsies? Nap, but he disappeared when they got back to the Yellowstone. Oh. And then Keo's Comanche with seven wounds. The seventh buried 204 men. Despite their best efforts, bodies and parts were to be found over the next 50 years. Hey. <laughs> well, like I say, too, like uh, they... In recent years, they've had a bunch of fires and stuff out of there, and it killed back some of the brush. So, like, they find they still sometimes find shell casings and shit like that. Hands sticking it, out of the ground? Not so much the hands. They don't show up with a metal detector, so. <laughs> so the 2nd Cavalry followed the Indian Trail to find that they had divided. So they came back with that report. Uh, also, they're taking the wounded back to the far west at the mouth of the Little Bighorn, which is quite a ways yeah, for a, a little ways. last stream. They made only four miles before they had to stop. Early on the 30th, the boat was sighted. The far west had an inkling of what had happened, uh, running into a crow scout named Curly. He was distressed, but, but no one could speak crow on the boat. That was three days earlier on the 27th. So they gave him a pencil and paper, and he drew many Sioux and lots of dead soldiers. Similar to what I was just showing. Yeah, totally. yeah, totally. So Marsh cleared room on the steamer for the wounded, putting 18 inches of hay covered with a tarp. Uh, Comanche was escorted aboard, too. Fourteen of the injured men remained at the Yellowstone well enough to stay. Then the Far West started downriver on July 2nd. 39 badly wounded troopers. And 700 miles away down the river, they would get to Bismarck in Fort Lincoln as soon as possible. Terry rode a telegraph to Sheridan and went to great lengths to mention Custer's negligence and insubordination. <laughs> so already throwing him under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him, he's dead. Who cares? <laughs> and suggested a different plan that was agreed upon, that Custer would wait for Gibbon, which wasn't true. 
He just kind of gave Custer free reign. Yeah. So. Uh, at 11 p.m. July 5th, Marsh docked his boat at Bismarck, making 710 miles in 54 hours. That's Which is insane. in a fucking steamboat. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah, that's hauling ass. Mm-hmm. He's bounded down. Uh, he went straight to the editor of the Bismarck Tribune, and the telegraph operator, operator spread the word of the defeat in 15,000 words, which was probably economical at the time. Yeah. Oh, which is, that's the one that's on your wall, Yeah, right? that's the article I have okay, on the cool. wall. There's actually a copy of it in here, too. There's also a copy can't... of it on our Instagram page. Well, yeah, that's, okay, then direct people to the Instagram page. So you can read a lot of you can try wild, and, wild speculation see, and lists of You can try and zoom in and read it of. if you want to. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking words. So the telegraph operator worked 22 hours that day. Jesus. Uh, word actually reached Bozeman by a guy named Muggins Taylor. Muggins. <laughs> sounds uh, like one of the Adams family. Sounds like a furry woodland creature from Ooh, the cartoon. Muggins. Mm-hmm. That was July 3rd, but it wasn't believed. Uh, Sherman and Sheridan were in Philly for the centennial celebration. Custer was quickly painted as a scapegoat. Not a scapegoat. A scapegoat. An scapegoat. The far west is the scapegoat. A brave but foolish. Uh, the pitcher was painted Custer as rash glory hunting, striking before Gibbon had a chance to get there. I wouldn't say that that's inaccurate. Nope. Uh, President Grant blamed Custer for the defeat because he hated him too. Yeah. Truth was a little more complicated, though. Custer had marched quite a bit, but planned to rest, but he was spotted. That made him go on the attack. Uh, many other, other failures. Like Reno being a drunk shithead. Mm-hmm. And Gibbon didn't keep track of the village, even though he knew about it weeks before. Custer made plenty of mistakes, but so did others. So they kind of blamed him in the papers, but not all the papers. A uh, few questioned the quickness when Terry blamed Custer. Like, you don't even <laughs> just blame him right away. And Colonel Samuel Sturgis never forgave Custer for this, his son's death. Uh, the remaining 7th petitioned Reno and Benteen for promotion. For promotion? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Sherman, Sherman told them their promotions would be made by the president. Uh, Reno also wrote to Sheridan outside military lines, and he blamed Custer for the debacle, too. And criticized Gibbon. Six days before the attack, the Senate voted to reduce the army, but within a week of Custer's defeat, the Senate called for additional 2,500 troops. Exactly. Ooh, troop surge. And Big two time. more farts, farts, forts. Two more farts. <laughs> in Indian territory. And then the military was given full control of the Indian agencies and an embargo of arms and ammo to the Indians. And all the ponies and guns of the agency Indians were confiscated. So conditions on the reservations declined, and many left to join their off-res comrades. Shocking how, like, if you oppress people more, they they do tend less to... of what you're trying yeah, to right. do. Fuck. By the end of 1877, only Sitting Bull would remain at large, and he was hiding out in Canada. Despite all criticism, there was an outpouring of uh, affection for Custer, as well as outrage about his death. Mm-hmm. People wanted to avenge Custer. Uh, but the military uh, quashed any militia groups popping up. Yeah, it's because the fucking cavalry were kind of bad enough on their own. That would have been really interesting to see some, like, fucking f- bunch of farmers, like, 
take up a militia and try to go fight the fucking yeah well back then it wouldn't have been it'd been fucking buffalo hunters and shit like that like oh, okay pretty unsavory dudes yeah, okay. that probably do know their way around a rifle oh, okay i was thinking more like just not a bunch of roofs fucking, fucking hayseeds with yeah. pitchforks and no <laughs> we're gonna get you yeah, yeah ice them all a little less of that and okay yeah uh reno drank more than ever after I can't believe he survived this fucking thing. Yeah. I, I very much assumed that he was just going to get fucking killed. Well, are you going to talk about when he goes on trial? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. I like the quote he has about his flask. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> you, can, you can do it now if you want. Well, it's just when he, you know, he gets, he's going to get put on trial for being a negligent drunk fuck. Uh-huh. But he's like, hey, man, my flask lasted all three days. Uh-huh. That's like his defense. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I very... didn't, didn't have a whiskey barrel to refill the flask exactly. with at all. <laughs> <laughs> and his flask is like strapped to the side of a fucking donkey. Yeah. So Benteen also indulged. Uh, Terry waited for reinforcements there on the Yellowstone. Men played baseball and raced horsies. Uh, August was... Re- uh, he was reinforced. Terry would march up the Rosebud to join Crook and pursue the Indians. That didn't happen. They met August 8th. Crook had just moved off from his vacation at Cloud Creek Camp. Where he'd been playing whist and fishing for trout. Under trout a day. Under trout a day. Uh, Crook was guided by Buffalo Bill Cody. Holy shit. Whoa. So Everybody. With that combined force, now they had 4,000 men. And they head east through heavy rain. Crook took off early one morning and continued east and only took two days' rations. And they were led by Frank Garrard. Well, this is the horse meat march, right? Yep. Which we've oh, we covered, covered that, in, yeah. Yep, this, in, in After Greasy Grass? Yep. Yeah. Horse meat march and. Uh, God, there's some fucking disturbing pictures. Views. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just tra- hacking up a bunch of horses. So, hacking up everything else, so mm-hmm. why not? <laughs> they found Indians at Slim Boot, Boots. Slim Boots. Boots. That definitely sounds like a male stripper. Yep. Mm hmm. Forty lodges of mini conjus led by American horse, but Crazy Horse and other warriors rushed from other camps to provide support, and the two sides exchanged fire. The Indians left at dark, and the soldiers descended on the camp to eat all their food. Yep. Uh, Terry's column fared no better, marching north and south around the Tongue River, without and south and south it's without finding any Indians. Then he ordered his men back to their posts. Uh, Weir summed it up by saying, quote, as the Sioux failed to find us, we are going home. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, they didn't find us. Uh, Weir stepped up his drinking, too, not to be outdone. He's drinking Jaeger bombs out there on the high plains. (laughs) Whiskey's, oh, fuck your whiskey bullshit. Tiswin. Tiswin, baby. So 131 days after leaving, the 7th returned to Fort Lincoln, where a dinner was held. When somebody questioned Reno's behavior, Reno attacked him and rolled onto the floor. Oh, like physically attacked him. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, fuck, uh, fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, Reno's a little bit unhinged. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's like they're having a family reunion. Oh, I'm the fucking bad guy. Yeah. <sighs> so Terry leaves, guess who? Nelson Miles. Oh, yeah. fuck you, Miles. <laughs> and fuck you, Miles City. Fuck Miles City, fuck, fuck Miles City, fuck, fuck Miles City, fuck, fuck. In charge of the new fort on the Yellowstone at the Tongue River. Which is now Miles City. Oh, Miles City, right. Yeah. Tongue River Contonement was what it was right, first Right, right, right. Uh, his troopers skirmished with Sitting Bulls a few times. He did parlay with Sitting Bull twice, but Sitting Bull didn't give in. But many did come into the reservation. Miles kept Sitting Bull and others on the run through the winter. 
May 6, 1877, Crazy Horse surrendered with almost 900 of his people. In September, he was killed. Yeah, we went over that one, too, where he got bayoneted. Oh, yeah, in yeah. The back. And so, like, didn't they have, isn't that the ones where the guys were wearing earrings made out of guns and shit? Where they're trying to break him out? Oh, no, that was the Cheyenne. Oh, that was the Cheyenne, okay. Yeah, still cool as fuck. Yeah, yeah. July 1881 is when Sitting Bull finally comes in with most of his followers. Actually, if you listen to that episode, most of his followers you know, only had a few when he came in. Yep. Uh, Libby made it her lifelong goal to restore her, her husband's reputation. Oh, my dearest Fanny. Uh, Which actually, didn't she write? Yeah, she wrote a book or two. Or at least some of her diaries or something been published. I might even have one of those. Uh, The first book was written by Frederick Whitaker, though, a dime novelist. Uh, Oh, perfect. Just who you want for factual bullshit upon bullshit. (laughs) Uh, It sold for $4.25, almost double the price of a normal book. Say, that's about how much Colt Peacemaker cost at that time. Uh, that came out just in time for Christmas. Oh, good. Uh, Libby Custer said that she never read it, and Whitaker lobbied for a military inquiry. Into his book? Yep. No. And that's where I'm talking about, where they're going, that's kind of where they start going after, uh, Reno. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, Colonel Sturgis was back, so Reno was transferred to drab Fort Abercrombie in North Dakota on the Minnesota border there. Whoa, shit. That's where the clothing company started? Yep. Mm-hmm. Not at all, but... <laughs> the lonely major forced his intentions on a woman of questionable reputation whose husband was away. She wasn't interested, though, and her husband came back and filed charges of, quote, conduct unbecoming a gentleman and an officer. That's still a thing. And a court-martial was convened. Wait, you said this is Reno? Yep. Oh, man. He has just fallen down his... He's been a fuckhead the whole time. But it just gets worse. Yeah. Uh, despite the woman's bad rep, Reno was found guilty. He was ordered to be dismissed from the army. I'm actually surprised they weren't like, well, look at the way she was dressed. She was asking for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of bullshit. But new president, Rutherford B. Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes. Oh, Rutherford. Commuted the sentence to two years suspension without pay. So a desperate Reno travels to D.C. to officially ask for an investigation to clear his name. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go the way you want it to, bud. <laughs> well, nope. it's also because Whitaker had been like writing fucking letters to Congress just trying to fucking throw him under the bus. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, short quote. Information from participants in the battle is to the effect of the gross cowardice displayed by a Major Marcus A. Reno. So this guy wasn't there. Yeah. He's saying he saw or talked to people that were there. Frankly, there weren't many nobody people left. left really. You know, and the yeah. ones that were there were in the same shitting contest that Reno was. Sure. So, yeah. So General Sherman finally approved the request exactly two years after the attack. Because that's when the statute of limitations was. Oh. Mm-hmm. June that's 20- psychological warfare. <clears throat> Make him think he's like out of the woods and then... A- Aha! Yeah. June 25th, 1878, a court of inquiry was called at Fort Lincoln, uh, but they had to wait for officers to come in from the field. So they start the following January. Yeah, and then it was moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So now Reno could have no charges filed against him. In the years after, stories would spread that the officers of the 7th all decided their testimonies before they started 
conferred with each other, well, get their story I straight. I doubt that because there's, like, during the trial, some people said there was 1,800 Indians, and some of them said up to 9,000 Indians. So that's pretty <laughs> wildly... I think that's just indicative of how ignorant these fuckers were. Well, Couldn't they, count or read or anything. They also had the... I think it's the same two mule packers that Reno kind of attacked. They were... They testified at the thing and, of course, did not... Uh, give too glowing of a thing of Reno, and that's yeah. where they were saying he was drunk, and he's like, no, my flask lasted three days. Yeah, so, right. yeah. <laughs> But uh, Reno had parties in his hotel rooms for the other officers. Just trying to get him on his side. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, only one of the officers admitted that, though. That was Charles D. Rudio. And he said any officer who didn't testify accordingly might incur the wrath of uh, other high-ranking officers, even Phil Sheridan. Benteen was finally called, and he did not disappoint, criticizing Custer and not throwing Reno under the bus. But he admitted he got the note to hurry, but not to make himself look bad, he said he believed Custer was dead, so he didn't hurry. Benteen was asked if he and Custer were on good terms. Oh, yeah, we were best buds. Yep. Despite everything else. Oh, that stupid fuckbag? Yeah, 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 we're cool. But he only gave half answers. And finally, it was concluded that he didn't even have to answer that. <laughs> okay. By the end, the only thing proven that Reno was drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Which he probably was in the courtroom anyway, so it's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Reno asked to be called. Uh, Reno refuted the charges. Uh, he made it sound that the march towards Custer was a well-disciplined thing. The court pointed out the contradictions in his testimony. Uh, if anything, he strayed more from the truth than Benteen. The mood in the room was against him. The court was closed, and the verdict and opinion were sealed and sent to the president. So Reno had been found innocent. Damn it. Uh, Whitaker called it a whitewash. Uh, the military courts had been manipulated, and the military wasn't happy that it was called in the first place. But it was easier to control that than a congressional inquiry. And regimental pride would have been enough for the officers to stick to their story. Right. Fucking old boys club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but personal responsibility was more likely, because none of them would want to own up to fucking yeah. up. Reno would be their commanding officer once he was back from suspension in six weeks. So Ooh. that was part of it, too. Ooh, shit. Okay. Yeah, he's not going to be pleasant to be around. Mm-mm. Uh, Libby would go on to write three successful books about her and her husband's adventures. She lived 57 more years than her husband, devoting her life to polishing his image. Well, she, she, they were only in their 20s. You got to remember, Custer oh, yeah, I keep was forgetting how young they are, yeah. like 25 when this mm-hmm. happened. So what, she died in like what, the 30s? 1930s? 1933. 33? Fuck. God damn it, that never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. Well, I mean, she... About 75 years old. That's sure. not stupid old. I, well, I know. I'm just, I, every time that these folks make are it like, into the 1900s. make it into the fucking like 50s and shit, where yeah. it's just like, what the fuck? You were in the Wild West? Yeah, they were also fucking 16 year old gunfighters right. and shit. Sitting Bull toured with Buffalo Bill in 1885. Uh, 1890, they heard of a messiah from a guy named Wavoka from mm. Nevada, who was a Paiute. Who taught him all the. Ghost dance. Yeah. Oh, the ghost dance, yeah. Which then scared the shit out of Whitey because they <laughs> thought it was going to be a revolution. Mm-hmm. and uh, A dance dance revolution? Yes. And, of course, uh, Sitting Bull didn't encourage it at first. 
But the more desperate the Sioux became, he relented. And, of course, who is called in to stop the ghost dance? Take one wild stab. Uh, General Custer's ghost. No. Nelson G- Miles. General Custer's old regiment. Oh, the yeah. Seventh, seventh Cavalry. Seventh, got it. And, of course, Sitting Bull was shot while, quote-unquote, resisting arrest. Sure. By Indian cops. Uh, December 23rd, 1890, Bigfoot. Not the real Bigfoot. Yeah. Big, Bigfoot guy named No, just Bigfoot. Oh, okay. Chief Bigfoot. Okay. Of the Mini Kanju. Um, he went from the Cheyenne River Agency to the Pine Ridge to seek refuge with their Oglala brothers, led by Red Cloud. But the stronghold where the ghost dance was to be held was abandoned, and all the other ghost dancers returned to the reservation. Uh, five days later, the 7th chanced upon the Mini Kanjus at Wounded Knee Creek. Uh, they surrendered to the 7th and camped nearby the army. Even more troopers showed up during the night. This is a, the short version of it. Yeah. Because we're, we're going to cover this eventually, right? Yeah, eventually. Cool. We're leaving it for the very last one. Yeah. Like when, whenever this finally runs its course. We'll gotcha. Uh, 120 Mini Kanju warriors came in to be disarmed. Medicine man painted blue, green, and yellow leaped among them and exhorted them to resist. <laughs> That's got to be a little awkward. Uh, the warriors gave up a few rifles, but not the good Winchesters the army knew that they had. Forsyth, the seventh commander, ordered the teepees searched, and about 50 guns were discovered. So the warriors were worried that the seventh would kill them after their guns were taken, which is pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something so to be suspicion, about. Yeah. yeah, totally. When a gun was tried to be taken from a young warrior, uh, he might have been deaf and didn't understand. Yeah, everything I've read said he was hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. He resisted, and a shot was fired. Nobody knows from which side. Uh, oh man! At, and then a lot of shots were fired. And at that moment, the medicine man threw dirt in the air. Oh, that'll uh, do it. Some blood sport action. A nearby group of mini kanju threw up their blankets and revealed guns. Uh, they may or may not have fired, though. Uh, but a lieutenant yelled, "Look out, men! They're going to fire!" I I pretty much bet that's bullshit. That yeah. that definitely sounds like some actor action report army bullshit. Oh, and then they had other guns under their blankets, even though we had just searched all their shit. One one guy had a a fake wooden leg with a machine gun inside of it. So the two groups blazed away. Captain Godfrey yelled not to hit the women and children, but Which... one sergeant said. Quote, to hell with the women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, That's how nice. that fucking usually works. Uh, the soldiers shot anything that moved. Uh, Bigfoot was killed when he attempted to sit up from his bed because he was ill. Uh, another officer shot his daughter when she rushed to his side. After 10 minutes through the smoke, Captain Wallace and 25 troopers were dead. Uh, the 7th attacked in force and chased the Indians down the valley. And then Hotchkiss guns. Opened up on the camp. Which Hoskins guns are kind of a type of repeating cannon. Mm-hmm. We talked about that at one point. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember. So it's like a kind of a small caliber cannon. Mm-hmm. Okay. 50 rounds a minute. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, Captain Godfrey, who served with all the seventh battles, yelled into the brush for all the women to come out. Uh, when they didn't, he ordered the men to fire into it. Come out. We won't hurt you. We won't hurt you. Except all right. Guess we're going to shoot hurt you. you. Yeah. Fuck off. Uh, they heard a child scream and stopped. Uh, behind the bushes were a dead woman, two dead little girls, and a motionless young boy. Uh, when he opened his eyes, a trooper put a bullet in his brain. Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, the day after, there was more fighting with other Sioux at nearby White Clay Creek. 
Uh, Forsyth was pinned down by the Sioux and had to be rescued by the Buffalo Soldiers of the 9th Cavalry, mm-hmm. which has got to be good for your ego there if you're a whitey. Well, believes you're better shit. than good. everybody else. That'll teach them. Yeah. So over the next two weeks, guess who? Miles. Fuck you, Miles City. And also Nelson Miles. <laughs> Persuaded the Sioux to halt their hostilities, because he's in charge now by 1890. Yep. By January 1891, 4,000 refugee Sioux had surrendered. Uh, Miles was mad at the indiscriminate killing of women and children. He immediately relieved Forsyth of command and ordered an investigation. Each officer of the 7th said they made every effort of firing against women and children. Uh, no one bothered to mention that they admitted that only 20 or so of the warriors survived the first assault. Uh, the carnage in the field contradicted this, and women and children were laying in groups dead. Right. Some 26 children under age of 13 were killed, uh, four of them babies with crushed skulls. Oh, I'm sure they were resisting. Yep, and at least 172 Sioux died that day, and more than 60 of them women and children. The final toll was more likely 200 or so. Uh, Burials were delayed because of a blizzard, and the bodies were buried in a mass grave, and their ghost shirts were taken by souvenir hunters. Super. Oh, that was another problem with the ghost dance too, though, is a lot of the practitioners of the ghost dance thought if you wore your ghost shirt, it was bulletproof. Oh, yeah, and, that's uh, right. I remember talking about that. Yeah, so that's not a great uh, thing to believe in what's happening. But. I mean, like, with the, uh, with the animals, the critters episode we did, like, if you're if you're putting shit like, oh, this wolf's family got killed, so, like, yeah, it's yeah. Got coming, up, coming for revenge. If you think a fucking wolf is going to be like Liam Neeson, like, that kid that watches mom and two sisters die, 100% is going to, you know, in right. their minds, going to grow up to fucking hate whitey and come no get kidding. you well they and there's you know they were out there at the after wounded knee taking pictures of stuff holy shit uh the one that's always disturbing to me is chief bigfoot mm-hmm. lying there frozen oh my god all fucked up. actual photographs yeah so it was a pretty widely covered by the press you know event and they still try to bullshit it yep uh, a lot of people still mad about it for <laughs> <Yeah>. good reason <laughs> Uh, after the investigation, Forsyth and the Seventh were cleared. Uh, years, some of them got fucking medals of honor. Uh, years later, uh, Teddy Roosevelt would promote Godfrey to general in the belief he did everything he could to prevent the atrocity. Bullshit. Miles' recommendation that Forsyth were, were to be punished were ignored, and the Army awarded the Medal of Honor for 18 men for wounded knee. <laughs> And Forsyth was later made general. And there's a shitty little town in Montana named after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benteen's final years in the Army were a disappointment, though. He was promoted a major in 1883 of the 9th Cavalry, which was the Buffalo Soldiers. Yep. That was a position he refused back in 1866 he when he joined the 7th. Didn't want to work with black people. Because he's a racist. No shit. Uh, 1886, he was ordered to oversee the building of forts in Utah. But he spent most of the time drinking. Benteen was court-martialed for drunkenness in January 1887. Oh, you learned from the best, though. He was sentenced for dismissal of service, but of course, President Grover, Grover Cleveland uh, mitigated the to a year and a half suspension. These guys just can't get fired. 
You know, like <laughs> I think because there's not enough people in the military, I guess, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but a few months later, he received a medical discharge for a variety of ailments, like a liver the size of a fucking <laughs> sleeping bag. And yep. So he officially retires in 1888. He lives another ten years. Uh, he avoided public statements, but privately kept up his hatred of Custer. He died June 22nd, 1898, of a stroke. Oh, three days before the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Two oh, days. Wow. Two days. Yep. His funeral was held on the 25th, though. So that was 22 years to the day. Wow. Uh, Reno's downfall was a little bit faster, though. After he returned to active service in 1879, he began to rack up charges of drunkenness. Fucking crazy they put him back in there. Because his downfall started, like, before fucking... Yeah, yeah. He just, before Bighorn. He's been a fucking loose cannon this yeah, entire time. Totally. Uh, he made the mistake of peeping into Colonel Sturgis's house and frightening what his the fuck? young daughter. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, this girl. guy, dude, he's a fucking creep. Yeah. So Sturgis pressed charges, and Reno was found guilty and dishonorably discharged from the ar- army. Finally. Man, all it April took was... April 1st, 1880. Oh, on April Fool's Day. Yeah, all it took mm-hmm. was perving on a little girl. Yeah. Jesus. Reno spent his life trying to get reinstated. <laughs> Just go get a job at the hardware store, man. Mm-hmm. After five years of denials, he took a menial job at the War Department Record and Pension Office in D.C. He married again, but the marriage fizzled. Fizzled? Mm-hmm. I'm picturing a lot of bro- broken China. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally. A year later, she had him arrested for non-payment. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. And rumors spread in town that he tried to kill himself. But it wasn't liquor that did him in. Reno had smoked heavily since uh, West Point, and he developed tongue cancer, which became quite painful. In March 1889, he had operation on the growth. Nine days after it was removed, he developed pneumonia in both lungs and died within 48 hours. Fuck fuck that. Like, it's suicide time. If if it comes down to, like, 1889 fucking mouth surgery. Yeah, let me cut your tongue out with a shovel. Fuck you, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He was buried in an unmarked grave in D.C., Whitaker died six weeks later. He continued to write dime novels and songs and at least one musical comedy. Ooh, what's that one called? Uh, I don't know, but... He, Pro- probably something racist. It's almost definitely like a minstrel show. Mm-hmm. He accidentally shot himself in the head while his walking stick got caught in a banister. What, what the fuck? <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of moving parts. That's a fucking dark ass like uh, Three Stooges bullshit. Well, was the walking stick like one of those pistol canes or must be? Was he jug- <laughs> jug- Jesus Christ? Uh, John Berkman, Custer's striker and most devoted soldier, never got out of it. Got over it. Sorry. He worked odd jobs in Billings, and he shot himself on purpose this time. After getting his mm. stick caught in a banister. Forty-nine years after the battle, and he is buried at the battlefield. Oh wow. Libby Custer, though she traveled across the world talking about it, never visited the Little Bighorn, and she's buried next to her husband at West Point. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people don't realize there is a, a marker for Custer out at the battlefield, but he's not actually buried. He's buried at West Point? Yeah. Okay. So it was designated a national cemetery in 1879. It was named National Monument in 1946, and it was renamed to Little Bighorn from Custer in 1991. And some people see ghosts there. Ooh. That, and they finally built a monument to the Native Americans not mm-hmm. that long ago. And it's pretty cool because it's like 
I think I've talked about it before. It's like circular shaped and then has entrances on the cardinal directions and stuff. And that's where they have like, it's the Cheyenne and the Sioux, but also the Crow Scouts and stuff that worked for the cavalry. Okay. In there. It's it's pretty neat. That's the long story of it. Oh, shit. Damn. Well, there you go. We've only been putting that off for a couple two of years. years. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That, this fucker had everything. I'm yeah. I'm stoked to find out that uh I mean I I assume that it was something that happened before but we never co- covered it was the uh Mountain Jack Pike fucking mule fort thing. Oh yeah. That's M- cool. Mule fort mm-hmm. shit happened all the time. That's well, horse cool. fort. Yeah. Well, it's cool until the battle's over and then you're on foot. Well, it's and... it's cool cuz I wasn't there, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely <laughs> then too. Doesn't seem to do a help very much in this regard though. Yeah. That's the th- funny thing about arrows. You can always sh- kind of shoot them up. Well, and they, they even come, talk about come dropping down. They so. even talk about that in the fucking Walking Star book too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's always one of my. Uh, I hate to say favorite ones, but you know it's been a big part of like I remember going to Little Bighorn like when I was like six, and then I went again when I was like twelve. I I'd go every few years. Yeah. And just check it out. And it, you know, it's like when people go to like places like Gettysburg and shit like that. You can definitely feel that some bad shit went down sure yeah yeah um it's just always astonishing to me the hubris of the cavalry that thinks they're going to just fucking ride through all these people that are defending their families yeah uh just like cray paper and just oh yeah we'll have them licked in by nightfall well it's because they don't they don't look at them as people right they're just like oh it's another fucking whatever patch in the rich tapestry of wildlife here yeah, in yeah, america yeah. Let's go slaughter them all. But yeah, they you know while it was the m- most famous and major victory of the indigenous personnel over the United States government, it's also pretty much what fucked the Indians forever. Well, yeah, because it's... public outcry, like you say, they doubled the size of the army and yeah. sent a bunch of more dudes. Then and they started training people yeah. how to use weapons and whatnot. Shocking. And, yeah. So yeah, while they, you know they may have won that battle, that's definitely kind of what uh, sped along the uh, uh, kind of end of their time as a free wandering sovereign people but yeah <sighs> woof yep all right that's a lot of information that is a lot of that's information a lot. I'll, I'll retain it better once I start editing all these okay <laughs> well I suppose that's been a pretty long one so we probably go out in a hail of gunfire sure I'm gonna go get uh, drunker than Reno tonight that, good luck <laughs> you'd fucking die <laughs> but, all right all right Scott now hail of gunfire we did it yep. yay, yay.